We're going to begin the day with, with puja. Puja means offering of praise, salutation, homage. And, uh, as the English language and English American culture doesn't really hold quite what the Indian um, reverential experience is about. But just to bear in mind that the predominant feature of what's called mind or chitta is intention. So a lot of meditation, uh, as you might have studied it, practiced it, is about intention, yeah, but attention. Attention means you form a focus on a particular object and you keep tracking it in order to get the mind steady and to perceive or experience something within the flow of phenomena, attention. Attention is very much object oriented. Uh, That's something the mind can do. We can do that. Uh, It comes and goes because sometimes you just tired or what you tend to is rather boring really, it's not particularly stimulating compared with what one has been giving attention to. See you know the mind rocks around in that. So the quality basic quality of mind is intention, which means the energy to do uh, aspiration, volition, wish, uh, commitment. And of course, this is what drives attention in the first place. We give attention to something because we want to. We're interested in it. We feel there's something we can benefit from it. And it's not always so easy to keep selling yourself that line about breathing in and out. Because, you know, it's like, yeah, well, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. Um, it's, Sometimes it, it seems very, uh, you know, you convince yourself it's an important thing to do for awakening, it is. But it takes, it takes a while for the mind to get there. Yeah. Yeah, particularly when one, one's intentions, volitions, directions, directives have been focused on, you know, doing stuff, uh, fixing the house, getting the work done. So on the things that we do in our lives. So it's quite a big step down to go into breathing. And uh, I mean, certainly, of course, you want to do that from an idea point of view. From a hard point of view, probably one of the important things to do is to recollect uh, one's values, one's aspiration. And, and, to, and not just to think it, but to think it and to dwell in it. So it's a slow down process of mind. So if we recollect, we might consider what am I, what I feel is really important in my life: truthfulness, harmlessness, honesty, generosity. You can have a small list, but then when you get dissolve the words and come into a basic quality of heart. And so chitta 
Pali word for mind means heart as much as it means mind. So it's both about intention, volition, and that creates a particular subjective form. So attention is object, intention is subject. So in puja, you're, you're really establishing the subjective quality. <coughs> what am I rising up to? What am I inclined towards? What am I steadying myself within? What's important for me? And uh, here, the conventional Buddhist convention is we are uh, looking or reflecting upon Buddha, awakening, and various attributes, clarity, uh, integrity, peacefulness, deep understanding, uh, compassion. So you can, so as you practice with it, you can begin to pick up the concept Buddha, translate it into a meaning, a felt meaning. Not just an idea, but felt meaning, feeling, meaning in the heart. Dhamma, truth, uh, immediate, not delayed in time, directly experienceable. Sangha, the quality of human integrity, commitment, humanness, with its ability to be tolerant, to encompass others, to share our collective sense. So you say, you say Buddha is a singularity of awakening, Dhamma is a path, and Sangha is the collective sense. So the collective sense you have to really open up to experience of being able to encompass others, to include others widen to include the peculiarities of others, you know, and not get snagged in it. You know, either one way or another. But so we, when we come to the communality of our experience, we say, well, you know, there's all these differentiations we can make for baseline, you know, integrity, you know, suffering and the willingness to, to work with it. Uh, so this is Sangha. And when you get into that sense, it's a sense of, well, instead of me also getting kind of stuck with my personhood, with its problems and difficulties and so on, let's just drop below that level. Let me just come beneath that personality to something more universal and um, fundamental. The human being, my ability, my properties of human being, is I experience, can experience and enhance my mutuality, which is integrity and kindness. Include others. Uh, and this is very testing in many ways because you know, I mean I like people but I'm going to have to be with them. <laughs> 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 yes. 
Let's irritate and disappoint and frustrate. So that's the piece is dukkha of, of the person which we all formed into and then seeing through that, recollecting through that. This is recollection. So as you recollect, you're not just thinking of other people, you're reflecting on the human experience and how it, you know, delights or chafes and just relaxing that. That's something we can we can cultivate. And not just meditation, but ideally through in our day. And it's a great amount of skill and virtue that can be cultivated through that. Now we hear you making a practice out of Sangha. terms of taking the meal and coming into the hall and sense that we're working together on this uh, back off here or support that for the welfare of the group. Now we presage or we proceed these acts of recollection with the chanting. Chanting may be something you have some familiarity with or not much familiarity with. And saying yesterday, the primary feature of chanting except that distinguishes from speaking. Speaking is a whole body thing. It's a conscious thing, and it's not really so much content oriented. When we talk, it's always going to be different. Chanting is always about the same. It's not new content. It's about uh, certain fundamental properties. One is it's a whole body experience. So when you chant, you have to come into your entire torso, the base of the belly, up to the throat, and even into the eyes and head. You have an awareness that this is your flute, this is your instrument. And you're going to start to blow, squeeze air through that. Squeeze isn't the best word, but to modulate air through that that large tube, that large bag. <laughs> and so first you're going to open it. So as you drop your shoulders and slightly push your lower back in, see so belly opens up. And Helps your shoulders to drop and come open, open your chest. You take some breaths and center yourself first of all down in the lower abdomen where you experience steady pump of breathing. This is your primary organ. Pressing organ in a church or something, this is the wind bag. You know. so squeezing steadily through that, the lower belly, keeping your chest relaxed. Its main function is not to pump breath but to open in order to resonate. So 
the chest is then resonating rather than pop. This shift from chest breathing to abdominal breathing has uh, marked effects on one's energy and on one's balance, one's somatic balance. Primarily in our daily life, we are probably somatically uh, speaking mostly head and not much abdomen at all, head and shoulders, eyes, head, eyes, forehead, mouth and shoulders. Uh, this is a very unbalanced way thing to, to um, maintain something we have to do, we don't want to maintain it, it's extremely unbalanced. All your energy goes up into thinking and seeing capacities. So this is, in one way, this is a redress of the balance of the body. So pushing air out from the lower belly. Using the chest just as a resonator. Breastbone will start to, as you chant, breastbone will tingle to a certain extent, resonates, this is how you make the sound, and it comes up into the throat. Um, opening the throat. So, very often, um, as I say, speaking is mostly from the you know, top of the throat through the mouth and lips. And in chanting, you, you start beginning the sound. So clearly the breathing comes from the abdomen. The sound begins in the base of the throat. Right, so you go down your neck to the throat notch. And it's rather like, uh, you know, if you, you contemplate that, that area of your body from your uh, floor of your mouth, down to into the chest cavity, that few inches or so, and you come to the base of that, bottom of the neck. And this is where you begin uh, modulating the, um, the larynx, the vortex. So it's you could say the first sound is a kind of like a sigh almost. So that's our first sound. Right? Um, like that. from, that's your bass sound. And as you, you don't normally think about this because it's just, <clears throat> you know, once you learn to speak, it's all pretty much like handwriting, it just happens. But with chanting, you begin to, uh, you know, revise the process. Come down into the base of the throat and build it up slowly. And as you work on the throat, you can come up to finer sounds. And that process goes on right up into your mouth and lips. <clears throat> so some sounds are formed by the street moving the tongue, pressing the tongue against the palate, <clears throat> pushing air up into the nostrils or blocking the nostrils and using the lips. 
modulation of sound. And this has an effect because when you're using a whole body, uh, you have resonance, subtle vibrational quality. And it can be experienced, it's always there, but uh, in chanting we uh, amplify that, I'm not saying in terms of volume, in terms of uh, tenor. Uh, so if you, uh, you, feel, you feel something vibrating in your body. And you can that occur from the belly up into the throat and also resonate in the head, in the bones of the head. So these bones act as like the um, wood of the guitar or the violin. They, they cause the, the vibration to be um, transmitted. And the effect on the body is it, 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 it tunes itself up. We're not here to do opera, but it is about uh, tuning up, not so much in terms of uh, reduced sound, but in terms of inner vibrancy. Uh, like uh, you might say, if you do yoga or tai chi or something like that, you'll be working on energy. And so at the end of it, you feel pretty fresh and bright. Well, chanting is a kind of voice yoga. <clears throat> and it sends a vibration through the entire bodily form that has a steadying and heart-opening effect. Where the body is there, where your body is present, not just as a physical thing that we can see, the lump of meat, the bone, the shape, but as a vibrant living entity that you can experience fully feeling in a steady way where the body is there, the heart is there when the body is not there the heart takes its cue from thought which is not necessarily an extremely pleasant experience thinking is fast, often topics are agitating and it's high speed so the heart is then driven. And then it has to keep thinking to keep going. The use of the body is so the heart can tune into the body, which has groundedness, uh, stability, uh, and this subtle vibrancy to it. It becomes, in meditation, this is your, 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 your avenue towards composure, collectiveness, loving kindness. These are all attributes of intention, not attention. So samadhi or intention is to stay, linger, and get more and more comfortable and steady. What you use in object of attention is kind of up to you.
breathing's fine, mantra it's okay, and so on. But it's the you can't just keep thrusting objects of attention into your mind and expect it to calm down. This is like shoving biscuits into a dog's mouth when it's not hungry. Shoving out the dog's nose. You know, it gets in here somewhere, so maybe this will do it. And so it's the open. And so the quality of puja and charm, you can just encourage that steady opening, and the heart is open through the body opening. So, we're going to cultivate some chanting. Every day, a couple of times. Um, yesterday we did English. Pali sounds, unlike uh, English sounds, are, are, are quite um, steady. They're quite pure sounds, whereas English is full of dips on and tritones. Pali sounds are all just uh, simple mono uh, sounds. So, um, and they're um, particular qualities to them. The vowels are either long or short, or actually called garu and lavu. Garu means heavy or long or Something like that. Mahu is, is light. Uh, the light vowels are very short. And uh, the Garu vowels are long. The letter that we call A in Pali has two sounds. One without the bar on top is the sound earth. And the one with the bar on top is the sound R. Uh, the next sound, let's we call O, in Pali is the sound O, your, your, it's a long round O. The sound that we call I, it has no bar on top, it's E, E, short I, there's a bar on top, it's E, so it's pretty, you know, these are just pure sounds, aren't they? No, no twist on them. The letter we call E is pronounced E. It's not very, it's not so common as it is in English. So you see Ume, Sakare, E. The letter we call U is it's short as earth. Wood, 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 not wood, but wood, or with a bar on top of wood. So this is the sound, and uh, there's one more called a semi vowel, which is actually signified by the letter M with a dot under it. And that's not, it's confusing because that's not actually the English 
sound M. It's actually a nasalization of the previous sound. So if we have it with a, an A before it, um. So you just make the sound perfect. Then you close mm, in the back of your tongue, close the nasal cavity. Right? So that's how you make that sound. Uh, hope this isn't too much for you. <laughs> and um, letter C is pronounced uh, The rest of them are pretty standard, except the frequency of the letter H. Is because um, this represents a breathy consonant. So if we look at the first line in Yoso Bhagawa, then the BH is Bhagawa. Whereas if it had no H, it would be Bhagawa. 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 So in some ways you can almost ignore that H. Except it just means there's a, it's called an aspirant. Ha. Hamma. Udha. Sankho. Sankho. So in some, some letters it becomes more obvious. Sankho, not Sanko. Sankho. Um, now when you see the two consonants together, like samma, this literally means, whereas in English we wouldn't really make much distinction between one and two ends, in part if you have two ends it means two. <laughs> like samma, not samma, samma. And you get sambud, then when you get the two consonants together, so it, it, it kind of, what occurs in this process of single and double consonants is you get a rhythm. Because it's the, the, the double consonants slow, slow things down. Um, whereas we go to yena pretty quickly. So there's a difference. So the, the sentence of two consonants means that you go on the consonantal sound. So the vowels are all the opening and the consonants create the closures. Okay. Closure effects, either through your tongue or your teeth or your lips or somewhere. And that closing and opening generates a particular rhythm and effect. And mostly, you know, you just learn through your ears. So chanting as a group, one of the beauties of it is, you know, I will start and then you'll hear the sound and pretty much by listening to the sound, within a second or two, you will find your voice hits that. An, it's an interesting thing. It's almost like our nature is harmonious. <laughs> you know, we, uh, our system 
automatically generates the mutual, mutuality and harmony on a natural level. It's quite beautiful. So when you get the sound and you realize, hey, we're all hitting that in different ways, you know, some are louder or whatever, but it doesn't really matter because it's not any single voice, it's the whole group voice moving together where you, you as an individual say, dissolve but are, you know, enter into an undifferentiated group. And at the same time, you're not know, just passive, you're contributing to this sense of the mutuality, the group, the resonance in your body, the resonance in the room. So this is, um, you really get into it, this is quite a beautiful experience for human beings. Yeah. It, you know, the harmony, bodily resonance, sound, harmony, just finding yourself, your voice is completely included and accepted. Um, and to, to linger on that meaning, it's not really intellectually that, you know, it's, not, it's a hard meaning. Hard meaning. So you have to look into that or, or sense where that is. So, um, don't concern yourself too much with getting it right, because that will, that will take you out of the right place. You know, it's not about getting it right, it's about just, if you just sigh and grow, if you like. If you find it with sigh and grow into the right tune, it doesn't matter. So don't get into it, I've got to get, make sure this gets right. And you breathe when you like, because when the group's doing it, it doesn't matter where you stop, because other voices will pick it up. So you just follow your own breath. Length of the breath, don't struggle, don't rush to get near the lines, just follow the flow of your breath, and when you need to breathe in, you breathe in. It doesn't matter where it is in the line. So this gives you moderated breathing with sound and with belly and you know, and how your own energies are moderated by the um, puja. So this morning we'll start with um, attempting the Pali of the first five pages on the Pali. So the, what's in the square brackets is the lead, so that's the piece I do, I lead in, and then we all come in together on the next night. Little triangles are there to indicate where your voice lives. I think somebody has water tone or horse tone. Thank you. 
Next one we'll do is a mantra. This you'll find on the page 14, I believe. And the advantage of mantra is you say the thing over and over again so you can get to meditate on the forming of the sound, listening to the sound, experiencing the sound of an energy flowing through your body and using this sound stream as something to regulate the thinking mind. If you all recognize thinking mind jumps in, you know, zigzags and catches attention. And this one using using vocalization experience to to channel that thinking capacity, that verbalization capacity into you know, uh, steady thought stream. And thought stream here, as you can see, is written in English underneath it. So I'll begin with the English and then we'll come in together on the Pali and we'll recite the Pali, um, this three sentences that do the whole sequence nine times. Then we do things in Thank you. 
Cultivate this
bringing your body into that felt body the whole quality of embodiment is present whatever it's containing sensations, energies, feelings and the wholeness of it Centering on this leaning out, leaning in. That's the center of the circle, but don't lose the circle. Just keep the breathing like something that operates within this circle, this sphere, the body. 